Tripping with Trip. I bought all these eyelashes when I was went to Iowa because I said... When you were rolling with the Yang Gang? When I was hanging with the Yang Gang. What does math stand for again? I can't remember. It stands remember. for Make America Think Harder. Think Harder. Math. Ooh, that's scary. Like, you can't really argue that. No. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Think about it. So, yeah, I bought these eyelashes. I went to Iowa. And I was like, I'm going to do my makeup every single day. I'm going to wear eyelashes. I'm going to be talking to Iowans. I'm going to look cute, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. And then um, the I went to Iowa twice because I had to come back for a week to do some work and go to a conference. This and is the big caucus. This was the first caucus. The first caucus. The first state, yeah, the first state in the nation to vote. Um, for the uh, cycle, yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's a caucus so that's state. The kickoff. So it's different from a primary because primary is a vote, whereas a caucus is um, you hang out with your community and you go in front of your neighbors and just tell, like, show them who you're gonna. Right it's on. A very interesting experience. IRL in real life. Yeah, I hope that Iowa never is first again, and I hope that they just eliminate caucus process. It's just really not conducive to democracy or— What was it like? Did you know—have you done this before? Never. I've never participated in politics at this capacity in my life. So you learned a ton. I learned a ton, um, and I also realized how, like— how disconnected we are to civic engagement. Like, yes, we've sure. just really, That's why we're, we're, yeah, where are we? What, exactly. It's exactly <laughs> why we're at where we're at, mm-hmm. but, um, we need to get involved in, um, our communities again, and we need to get involved in local politics again and, um, build it from the ground up. It mm-hmm. needs to be in our communities. It needs to be, um, uh, you know, we are the, Oh, look how beautiful that hunting bird is. Oh man. Can you believe it's snowing upstate right now? And it's there are pictures of hummingbirds in the snow. Crazy. Oh, my God. It's heartbreaking. I hope it's they survive. So crazy. Isn't it crazy? So and it's kind of cold here a little bit. Chilly. It's nice. Yeah, it's, it's great. spring. You Love know, it. it feels like spring. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I. So <laughs> the first week I'm in Iowa, I'm like, I'm going to cook a plant-based vegan meal. Because we had one vegan in our house of, like, 25 girls. So, like, we're the sorority of Yang. We got this, like, old Victorian house. It was, like, eight bedrooms, eight bathrooms, like. <laughs> three wow. stories. Um, Fancy the, neighborhood? No, we were in the middle of the hood of Davenport, Iowa, apparently. Wow. We are in this, like, dilapidated Victorian historic <laughs> district mm. where, like, people are, like, buying these houses really cheap and, like, renovating them. And so, like, the lady that owned our house um, didn't live there. She lived in Colorado. She was a Republican. And we told them why we were coming there and what we were doing. And, like, and she thought it was so cool. She gave us a 50% discount. What? For That's the, amazing. Yeah. Yes. And we extended Respect. for the entire month. Because you're only going to be there for, like, 10 days, I think. And mm-hmm. then um, we extended it all the way through to the caucus. So we were there for the whole month. It was amazing. But I had to come back home. But the last two day, like, last day that I was there for the first week that I was there, first part... I was making this vegan meal and I went to go like puree the soup in the blender and I shot soup across uh. my entire face and burnt <laughs> and blistered 
the skin on the tip of my nose, no. on my entire forehead and eyebrows. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. Because I was making this African peanut soup. <laughs> Did you take wanted, a picture and post it on oh, the Yang Gang board? <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely took some pictures because, like, yeah, it's just like the tip of my nose is all oh my God. scabbed over. And like it was like, it wasn't bad the oh first couple God. days. Speaking in your face. It was like the healing process. The soup was really good, though. I got a lot of compliments on my my plant based cooking. <laughs> um, I had to like leave with struggle this, to get there. I like jacked up face. It looked like I just like had the flesh eating virus or something. The last day I was in Iowa. Oh so, like, my god! And so it didn't snow. This is the first week of January. Mm. Second week of January. Mm-hmm. It was like this weather that we're outside right now. I mean, it was like crazy. Like, why has I was prepared with a snowsuit? Yes, <laughs> yeah, I know you've got to pack for like three yes. different kinds of weather. Yeah, you now. do. Same and, here in Texas. It's been like one. Yeah, well, it there was a huge winter snow storm that came through the night that we were driving to the airport, or to, you know, the day before we had to go to the airport. And I was like, we better head there now because it's a three-hour drive. Christina was one of the first habitable spaces recurring team members that I met. We were pantsless. Long story, you'll hear. At the time of this interview, March of 2020, she was a quote-unquote Yang ganger, having just canvassed for Andrew Yang's presidential campaign in Iowa. She met tons of friends doing that, and I've had the pleasure of meeting some of them passing through Texas since great crowd. In this episode, we talk about Christina's days as operations consultant for the first and only zero-waste meal delivery service, a very timely topic in the midst of all these restaurant closures due to lockdown. We chat about our chance meetings under disco balls, her journey in political experiences, how the pandemic has revealed our system's vulnerabilities, and so much more. We all met on Twitter. There was a group called Humanity Forward Fund that um, was raising money to specifically help fund volunteers to go to Iowa. And so I was in L.A. maybe three weeks before I left because I went to I decided to go to Iowa as my birthday present to myself instead of like going to the Jim Jobong or the like Dallas for the weekend or whatever like I was like you know what why don't I go to Iowa like and so the sorority of Yang girls that formed that put on Twitter that they're like to, you know people to be housed with them in Davenport it was like perfect now I have a place to stay in Davenport a guy on Reddit funded about 30 Yang gang via his chase points um, on flights. Iowa was, yeah, the first week I was there, no snow. And then um, a huge snowstorm came through the night before I was flying home. And I mean, it was crazy. It was a lot of snow. It was beautiful. It was, it was just like beautiful, powdery, fluffy, like that sort of. Um, Gorgeous. So opera ski. Stereotypical, like, vision. Your big fur coat. Yeah, exactly. So. So what did the what what did you experience when you first got there? You've never worked on a campaign before. Did they like all heard you and say this is what you'll be doing, or was it decided before? No, or? it's it's a completely separate thing. If you're volunteering, like you can go. They have campaign field offices, so there's different hubs throughout Iowa that have like 
supplies, like pamphlets or like merch or like different things, um, any sort of communication or like whatever. Um, but mainly where you can get a yard sign or where you can get stuff. And so, and, and walk lists. So like there's all sorts of like apps and programs out there that they use in the political world for like tracking former voters or like past voters and knowing their address. It's all about the data. And then you have a route that you can route in to like go walk and canvas that neighborhood. Hmm. So you only go to the doors that are on this like app, this list. Mm -hmm. Um, The app was called Minivan minivan yeah so yeah so you go to the field office they give you a walk list or a a id number for a certain neighborhood and then you plug that into the minivan and you go and you have to sync it all the times it's just to get more people signed up for your candidate well you want more people to commit to caucus then come out on caucus night and like group up with your candidates so that you get delegates for their county and state convention. Mm. Um, it's a whole process. It's the Bernie people showed up in mass. I mean, they were already like well, half the people there. Yeah, they're really active. Huh? Well, they had four years to organize, mm. you know, they had a plan and they executed it. You were OCD with Yang and your posts on, on social media. Well, it's because there was a lot of media blackout. So it was an opportunity to like constantly keep him. If people saw that I was talking about this candidate, and it got them to be like, why is she talking about this candidate? And look into that candidate themselves. And I did my job. It's yeah. the whole point of it. Yeah, you like, really did. I'm telling you, we were all talking. We're like, she, her posts really did kind of change our opinions, open our eyes a little bit. I mean, it us pay closer attention than we usually do. Mm-hmm. Because you would have thought I would have gone with Bernie or Elizabeth Warren. And it's funny because my timeline is from the last election cycle and previous. And it's like, if only Elizabeth would run yeah. or oh, oh Bernie it's so funny that's like great. so you've always been politically minded I mean I've always paid attention I always vote because I feel like it's important to vote yeah, um for sure and now more than ever you know having seriously gone like through, the razor thin margins in so many of these elections are crazy and the thing is I really do think that the powers that be count on the fact that people are so disengaged. Oh, absolutely. So that they can pull the strings and do whatever they want anyway. Yeah. Keep them separated. If you don't go vote and participate and be a part of the civic engagement, you have no room to complain about It always about sounds anything. like such a distant concept, but it it's really not, does. When your, you get in there and you do it, you realize how much of a difference it really mm-hmm. does make. One person is not um, helpless in this situation, you know? Yeah. So it's really interesting because, you know, we had almost a thousand volunteers from the Yang Gang go to Iowa for that month. Very cool. From all over. From all over. Hmm. People and they met by Twitter. Met on Twitter. That's so amazing. Yeah. So this uh, packed Humanity Forward Fund came out. They they raised all this money. They helped organize, like, you know, mass hotel bookings and, like, rental cars and, like, all these things. And then all these volunteers came out. And then they coordinated themselves with the field offices to get the data that they need to go run, do canvassing and do walks. And our group were a little, was a little bit different out in Davenport because we were going to be there for the entire month. So we really got involved with our community. Like we went to our um, the Scott County Democrats gala. We like fundraised and raised money to buy a table. So we got to like get dressed up and like Evelyn Yang was there and Elizabeth Moore and Amy Klobuchar. Was that where and, you took a picture with Yang and posted it to Facebook? Well, Andrew Yang wasn't there, but I've oh. I posted many pictures. I, I thought, yeah, <laughs> I thought I saw one of you and him, right? There's probably like eight of me and him. Yeah, from different right. places and times yeah. and locations. <laughs> 
Stalker. Oh my god. Well, no, because I saw him. No, I you're w- just I very to, active in his campaign. I went to the Dallas That's rally. That's very cool of him to do. Actually, I was at the Dallas rally. I was in. Um, I was in L.A. for the debates, and then I went to Iowa, and he was, you know, doing town halls throughout Iowa. We got to see Marianne Williamson, who I love. She did a town hall with Andrew Yang in Fairfield, Iowa. Did you see her talking politics or spirituality? A little. It was a little bit of a both, because she wasn't endorsing Andrew Yang. She was just um, uh, wanted to show her support and get Iowans. Because, like, in Fairfield, I guess it's, like, Marianne Williamson County. People love her. Like, it's a very hippie, like, yoga, plant-based, vegans, like, all these, like, spiritual people. There's, like, this, like, Kind of like love. out here, huh? <laughs> it's, it's this vibe in this town. It's, like, kind of like a... Austin hippie town in Iowa. All these people came out for this town hall. And she was talking about the importance of what Yang is talking about and, like, why his message, like, resonates. And it wasn't an endorsement. It was a... Which parts did she like? Um... Just his human humanity first. Yeah, humanity It's a very simple message, but, like, it all fits in line with, like, her message. It's all about, like, love and leading with love and stuff like that. So, And he's kind of more from a small business slant a little bit, right? He's an entrepreneur. entrepreneur. He uh, he started a nonprofit called Venture for America. And basically what they do is they align graduates with um, businesses in these – Areas that were, like, decimated by job loss because of manufacturing loss or factory work or whatever. Like, so Detroit, Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, places belt. like Baltimore, San Antonio. And they pair college graduates with these businesses and they have to commit to building this business. And then you get seed funding for your projects or whatever. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just to grow more business in, like, the, you know, rural areas or places that have been lot that have taken a hit by job you know yeah job it's loss. kind of the small business revolution which which in my opinion if we tap into could change a lot of things happening right now well with the thing about this whole corona we're we're not really sure what the consumer habits are going to be mm-hmm. six months down the road the ripple effects are going to be so immense i mean this. we already know so many restaurants that will never open again yeah and if they do like bars quarter of the income Mm -hmm. you know and they they're known for being on raising to the margins anyway i mean think about like the music in in the entertainment industry sports industry events food and bev all of it is going to shift um um, airlines for sure oh yeah so crazy um and that affects small business a lot well, you're, which kind of takes us to what you're doing, which fits into this whole picture because you do, you're an operations manager for a small business that has grown exponentially with your help over the year. Well, let me let you tell the story because it's fascinating <laughs> and how it ties into the quarantine, how everything's changed. Yeah, so um, I do some operations work for a company called Prep to Your Door, and they are zero waste plant-based meal prep delivery subscription service. So basically it's like meals prepped that are plant-based, like vegan, gluten-free, and um, are packed in mason jars. Amazing Reusable packaging. And then we deliver to the door and then we get returns on the bags and jars. You know, so we... So you're like the old milkman, but with food. But with food, yeah. That's phenomenal. And so... And it's uh, really successful. It's been growing. I mean, every year it's been growing and we're really scaling this year. And so 
Um, I'm helping them with a lot of like internal operations and just systems and. Um, so you're the data person and the systems manager. But your title is what is it? Recipe? No, my title is what, what, operations consultant. Operations consultant. Yeah. But your role at one point was recipe. What was it? Well, I do recipe management. Management. Um, right. But that's because we use a software for that. So I'm just uh, yeah. updating it and getting it like fully optimized. And your um, role before you did that, you were you you fell into food and back. back uh, Bever, buy, tell me about the Austin experience that led up to what you're doing now. So, like, years and years ago, gosh, I can't believe I can say years and years ago, but uh, about f 15 years ago, I got into the restaurant uh, space, b bartending, um, serving, and then I got into inventory management for the bar. Very basic stuff, nothing very complicated, Not nothing like what I do now. Um, but it was an intro, and then um, I started working for Whole Foods. Yeah, so um, that's so where most of it kind of began. So, yeah, like grocery retail, I was, like, really interested in that space. And then um, I went to Hawaii. and I had Really? I went to Hawaii in 2012, July of 2012. To live or to play? It was just a vacation that I had planned for about a year, um, me and a friend of mine. Um, and it was kind of life-changing. I had this full epiphany about, like— life and leisure and travel and what things matter and nature and we started in oahu and then um the last three or four days we are in Kauai. Mm, so yeah, beautiful there Kauai. it's magical i can see why you went through epiphany there. yeah yeah it's just so it was really life-changing and so when i got yeah. back i was like what am i doing with my life i was so dissatisfied nothing made sense everything felt like um just like very shallow like mm -hmm. there's more to life than this and like really i wanted to learn a lot more about my food so it really started with like i want to i want to be back in touch with this cycle because Excellent. i'm so separated from so many parts of that parts of life that are important to like life yeah daily life <laughs> like daily, you do every you know? day without thinking twice about it taking a lot for granted yeah and so i quit my job and I became a woofer, and I found habitable spaces. And I was actually, because my, my sister and brother-in-law had so property. So what's a woofer? So this is your introduction to King's Bear and habitable spaces as yes. a woofer? And yeah. so tell people who don't know what woofing so, is, because I think a lot more people are going to be interested in this with the quarantine fallout. Wolfing, it's uh, wolf, W-W-O-O-F. And that stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Farms. Okay. And what it is is an online network that links host farms with volunteers. And in exchange for that volunteer work, you get room and board. It's a cheap way to travel or learn a new skill or get involved um, in farming or animal husbandry or beekeeping. or It's a whole plethora of farming, covers the whole spectrum. Excellent. Um, and that's what, you, what got you into is kind of learning about your food and farming and everything that goes into it. Yeah, so when I got back from Hawaii, I was, you know, going back to my job. I was just, you know, working at the coffee bar. I was not... It was just dissatisfying, is all I you can say. You were a human doing, not a human being. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I was like, you know, I want to start a business. I wanted to have like a zero waste package free grocery store coffee shop. Love it. Like this was this like great vision I had. And I got my business partner and she was like really excited and I quit my job and I was going to like go do research and development. This is the adventure I was going to embark on. And then the last day of work, she comes to me and says, Christina, I'm pregnant. But it's, it was really funny because we were going to start this business together and then we were having to like change plans. But I just quit my job and now I'm like, okay, well, like I'm off on this adventure. Okay. So um, my sister and brother-in-law had property, a 40-acre ranch um, about 10 miles from Habitable Spaces. Oh. And they were going on vacation for about two and a half weeks and was like, can you come down and house sit? Ranch sit. Yeah, ranch sit. <laughs> Watch the dogs, the cats, like blah, 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 blah. I'm so like, sure, I'll take the time. I'll do start doing my research on what I want to do next. And then I got into wolfing. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to look. And I found Habitable Spaces on the wolfing site. But the thing is, this is Habitable Space's first year. So what? we're talking, this was like, they had only been on the property for five or six months. Are you, oh, those are back in the days where they back didn't have. in the day. They were living out of tents. Literally, they just got the well dug. <laughs> water. They just. They didn't have water. They, oh, that's crazy. The first week I was there, they got electricity mm. and Wi-Fi. What? It was like. That's a brave one to start with. Yeah. So this is mid-August of 2012. Oh, hot. Yeah. I remember that first um, couple weeks that I was there, I was just like falling in love with it. You know, mm, I was like, yeah. man, I just want to be here. This is what I want to do. And so I like subleased my apartment in Dallas. I put my stuff in storage. <laughs> You're such a gypsy. I, I did it. I was like, I'm just going to do it because you have to just do it. You yeah. know what I mean? And you'd quit your job anyway. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. Freedom. I had the freedom. So um, I bought a tent. I bought. You know, all the basic things I did needed. You buy, did you bring that huge tent that you had? Oh, I've gone through several <laughs> tents at Howell Spaces, but the best. Tell me about the biggest tent. You mean that the you McMansion? Have, <laughs> <laughs> well, the really good tent I had was the one that had the rigid door and it was up on the pallets and the plywood. And I had um, someone had given me like hardwood floor laminate tile. So inside my tent, <laughs> no, had hardwood floors. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, what but was the, the farming like? I mean, were you, why'd you fall in love with it? Was it a, a good first wolfing experience for you? Yeah. Uh, I think, well, I fell in love with Allison and Shane, yes, of course. Of you course. can't not fall in love with Shane and Allison. Like, that's just. So true. Um, so just love being around them. They're like a vortex of cool, fun, fascinating activists, farmer, artists. Just yeah. So cool. Community. It just really, yeah, I just felt uh, really, um, you know, like instantly like family. And I just felt really like I was doing something good. That the things that mattered were I was doing at yeah. that moment. How to put a roof over my head, how to feed myself, how to, you know what I mean? When all your basic necessities are covered, it's not really a whole lot to fight about or be mad yeah. about or like to. And was Allison cooking all the meals back then? Oh, my God. Do you not remember? Oh, well, that's why you fell in love with them. Okay, no, no. So everything was the electrical pole. Like, the we had the one electrical pole, mm. extension cords to the various. <laughs> Just a maypole of extension cords. So 
the old seat, the seed and feed house at Habitable Spaces used to be the kitchen mm. before the kitchen got built. And all we had was a toaster oven, a hot plate, and electric kettle. <laughs> Other it. than cooking outside grill or things like that. Our <laughs> ongoing joke was that you can have toast or tea, but you cannot have <laughs> toast you and tea. You cannot do both. Because um, you blow a fuse every time. The breaker. So Amazing. like it was all these different stages and phases of growth that I've seen happen with habitable spaces mm -hmm. um, over the years, you know, and... As uh, part of the community. And you started, that was eight years ago. I know. So you've been with them ever since. I've been with them ever since. I've come to every fall harvest. Nice. I've um, spent a lot of Thanksgivings and New Year's, um, Shane's birthday. Very cool. You know, yeah. just part of the family. Yeah. Tell me about how you saw them change the community here. Were they all about the farming and the arts at first? So I think the first... It seems like there was a lot of fluidity with, like, their ideas. I mean, obviously, you don't know what to expect when you're developing the land or figuring out what you want to do. Like, you might have this vision of one thing, but what's reality and what can actually happen? Yeah, they're visionaries. They they're are people. Exactly. They're and they artists. manifest very well. So I think that it's evolved into this direction that it's in now that's beautiful, that's super community-involved. But the community that's, like, here, not... Yeah. San Antonio yes, or Austin, exactly. it's like, no. you Allison live in is, you know, Mayor Pro Tem and City Commissioner mm -hmm. here, and Shane is volunteer fire department and has been for years. And, you know, people actually come to, you know, the the property and share it yeah. as a community. It's really cool. Everyone has a say in it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love the way it's grown and what it's evolved to and, like, I still see myself living out here again. It's such a great location here because I feel like I love exploring new regions. And I kind of grew up here in Dallas, as you know, in Austin. And um, uh, visiting Austin, living more in Dallas. And there's just so many cool little towns like San Marcos. Um, uh, Austin and San Antonio are two very different vibes but yeah. two very cool vibes they're just kind of different they're you know? both art communities yeah culture is cool, very like important art just there's a lot of artists they're different artists but um but culturally completely different because like yeah, san antonio is very much like it's tejano like it's yeah, very it is, it is. even the weather is yeah the alamo it's is like hardcore. desert more desert in san antonio I think. yeah it is yeah, it's interesting that, like, all this work that I do in local food systems, um, having gone through this experience of, like, being a volunteer for the Yang Gang and, like, doing all this, it, it kind of ties back. Because I, I, I always want to bring the conversation back to universal basic income, which is why um, all of us fought so hard to get Yang's message out there. And now with the age of corona and Unbelievable, 33 million it? people filing unemployment and, Go. you know, our economy— the smartest thing to do is just put money in people's hands. So the concept is what? A monthly stipend for so everyone? There's a lot of different universal basic income proposals out there. And they're not all equal. The whole idea of it being universal is there's no stigma with it. Mm. Unconditional love. Unconditional. And the thing is, uh, so I I really like Andrew Yang's proposal of the UBI, which is the Freedom Dividend. The Freedom UBI is what? Universal Basic Income. Okay. It's an acronym. Okay. Well, we're learning here. Thank you. The acronym for Universal Basic UBI. Income is UBI. Um, and so... His, Maybe I don't know. <laughs> his proposal is the freedom dividend. 
And the reason why he calls it the Freedom Dividend is because he he wants it paid for by through our data usage. We so freely give our data to yes, you know, social media or different that. technology. Data is a property right. So yeah. if you data is the new oil, by the way, it is. It's worth more than oil since oil's not worth anything oh, that's right true. now. <laughs> yes, it's for a thousand dollars a month from the age of eighteen till the day you die um, for American. If you're an American citizen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you hear that at first and you're just taken aback and you're like, yeah. what is this? I was like, well, that's an interesting concept, but I read about it from other countries doing it before I heard Yang. There's other countries that are doing it now that are implementing a, some form of like emergency thing because of Corona. Yang wanted to pay for it was through a value added tax, which is a consumption tax, um, value added tax at half the rate of Europe um, would bring, it would be 10%, Mm -hmm. um, but it could generate up to $800 billion in revenue um, just from economic activity. Mm. You know, you you put money in people's hands, they're going to spend it. You know, so with all these... Certainly true with me. (laughs) Well, with this stimulus um, and all these different sort of uh, relief strategies that our government's trying to implement and they're trying to support businesses, well... It doesn't make sense to support a business if there are no consumers. Especially now. Like, when are they going to realize that the same people that they're taking money out of the pockets are the same people that would have been buying their products, you know, yeah. from taxes and all that crap that they have to... Insurance, you know, all the costs of living are just So let's insane. use... Think of San Antonio, for example. There's, let's say, 1.1 million people in San Antonio. That the freedom dividend of a thousand dollars a month—that's one point one billion dollars of money in San Antonio every single month. Mm-hmm. Then think about the economic activity that would come from this. That would that would generate from this. Right. So a lot of that money, majority of it, will probably be spent locally, mm-hmm. or they'll be spent on doing things to improve your improve your family's lives. You know, right. you might yeah. send your kid to dance or yeah. little league or education, education Culture. savings fund. It could be all sorts of things. Uh, majority, there all the studies that have come out from all these different UBI. Um, uh, pilots and and things like that have all had positive results. The people that quit working were more than likely mothers and students, which in any civilized society, you would be okay with mothers and students working less Mm. (laughs) with the freedom dividend because they're mothers and students. (laughs) They should be raising their kids and going to school, not working full-time jobs. Family. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's very interesting because right now people are spending a lot more time with their families. Yes. They're getting to know. This is going to have major effects. Mm-hmm. I'm, and this is not just us in Texas or the United States. This is a global thing that every single human being on this planet is doing. Yeah. For the most part. But I just think about, you know, when pa- parents complain or complaining for anything, I'm like, you know, you're getting to know your family. You're getting to know your yeah. home. It's going to be you, tough, All though. that money that Kids you're so trying to... so much energy my nieces and nephews when they were growing up. It is 24-7. Give you a different seven. appreciation of your te- school teachers oh and your caretakers. Yes. And mothers, <laughs> stay-at-home stay parents. I saw parents. this cartoon. It was something like um, a lady driving her... Uh, 
daughter back to class for the first time after the quarantine and she's going, um, you were wrong. She is not the biggest pleasure to have in class. (laughs) (laughs) That must be how every other parent is. And also they have to do homeschooling and tutoring and half my friends were posting. It's like, does anyone know what this Latin is or this math equation? Like, I don't know how to teach my kid this stuff. It's not my thing. It's it's certainly a reality check it's for a lot of people but it's a reality check in a good way because there's yeah, been such a disconnect yeah there's a We've lot been, of opportunity here yeah that's what we do with it mm-hmm. at this point so yeah. yeah what is your take on it like what like how has it affected what you do so supply chain management supply logistics chain. um it's been really wonky for lack of a better word wonky is really the only word for it um the local food systems seem to be thriving so if you're a small farmer mm, i keep reading that That's great news <laughs> if you're for a the small farmer and you supply a local farmers market or a few restaurants or whatever like you're probably not struggling the same way as these big commercial ag farms that are like having to dump massive amounts of food or not yes. harvest things or sla- till it mass up. animal slaughter oh that's just yeah. too much but but I mean, it shows how broken the system is it at shows kingsbury how bro- market i guess we should mention to our listener that we are now at kingsbury farmer market which started after the quarantine began because in to response serve, to in serve response the community, to the community. Yeah. And it's been fascinating because all of the farmers here, some of them sell over there in um, Austin or San Antonio. They said literally the quarantine has doubled and tripled their sales. It's crazy. Yeah. Which I guess is good news for things like the farmer's market. Same here. They can't keep the produce, you know, well, it just for tells, an hour, you, it just tells you how broken the system is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yes, when you're for sure. that disconnected to your farmer. You're just yeah. dis- that disconnected from your food source and you just like hope the grocery store has it or something. You know, it's like right. I hope it shifts the perspective for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, do, certainly I for mean, myself. Yeah. I mean, so you work within these systems. Do you work? Are they all transnational interdependent things or, or do you work with local more? I work a lot more with, uh, I mean, I do have experience with more, you know, with national food distribution sources, but mostly I do work with a lot of local and hyper local. So like local mm. is in, I say regional cause we're in Texas. Yeah. So <laughs> we big. have a very big state. Um, and then hyper local, I would say within the 25, 30 25, miles 30. of where I'm at. So we're at a hyper local. I would consider, yeah, this is a hyper local farmer's market. In Texas, a lot of a lot of farmers took a big hit with Hurricane Harvey, you know, lost yes, fields and fields. I was here during yeah. that. I had to flee to Dallas, hardly made so it. So crazy. My car. Mm. Um, yeah. And from a few conversations I've already had with some farmers here in Texas, they're like, yeah, this is making up for Harvey. Like, it's revitalizing the farmer's market or local food scene. It's getting people in touch with their food makers. It's making mm-hmm. people want to learn about food themselves and preservation. I mean, sourdough starter was like a Google trend <laughs> for like. It's huge now. Oh, it's it's like been trending on Google. Like, as a Google <laughs> I thought search. I was so special learning how to make, bake bread. And I posted it and, and I noticed every single other person is doing like banana bread or sourdough bread mm-hmm. or, but it's good. I yeah, mean, hey, the, I am uh, not complaining about that. Has been like active yeast out of the grocery yes. store. <laughs> totally. I was so happy that I found. that yeast is a living thing and mm-hmm. you can't pour it in hot water or it kills it. Mm-hmm. I said that is the most fascinating thing ever. It's, it's a huge It's fermentation. I, yeah, I don't know anything about yeah. it. 
Except for eating it. <laughs> right. It's so good. Mm, the oatmeal bread, everyone loves it. It's mm. really rewarding, you know, working, doing something in the kitchen, which I have no idea how to do. I am learning self-sustainability. It is so difficult. You know, the thing is, like, how else do you get to Carnegie Hall? You practice. Right. Yeah, you've got to make it a habit. Yeah, you have to teach yourself. You have to practice and you have to fail. Right. You have yeah, to fail a lot. you do. Fail fast, stay safe. Don't be afraid to fail it. So I'm back in Texas. I'm working um, a few things I'm doing now with, you know, I'm doing this work with Prep to Your Door, which, you know, we, I feel like we're uh, ahead of the game in so many ways yes. of just being this very progressive thinking business, forward thinking, and the way consumers are going to want to um, buy in the future. They're not going to want all these plastics and disposable sure. things. I really hope so on the plastics. Um, no, I feel it. I definitely feel it. The thing is, you have to separate your economic value from your human value. It's two separate yeah, things. I know, right? There's way too much focus on the money part and not the or human the part. Or the work part. Like, why is work... I think that, that we can find purpose, like, in things that we don't get paid to do that are, yes, that are also work. Sure. You know, this podcast. Yeah, Tending to the garden. Tending to the doing garden. Doing art like you've been doing. You, you know, know, raising children. Yeah. Like Enjoying these, nature, taking long walks. But anything so. that's heuristic motivating, like yeah. something that you just learn to do that brings joy because it's the joy of learning it or solving yeah. that problem. Yeah. It doesn't serve any other purpose and it just makes you happy. And that's what I think universal basic income could do for a lot of people. Because $1,000 a month, let's get real. That's not going to be enough for you to quit no. your job. Yeah. And do, you know, you still have to work. You still yeah. need to, you well, know what we'll I mean? we'll see how the economy goes and what happens mm -hmm. with housing and health insurance. Like, this is a huge wake-up call with mm -hmm. health, isn't it? I mean, it needed it long ago, but this is bumping a lot of rural hospitals it, out of the game because they were on the, tinkering on the edge of bankruptcy anyway. Absolutely. they're not taking income from operations. And, and I like things. the idea. So one of Andrew Yang's proposals was to have more technology involved with our healthcare system. So like more teledoc mm. or um, having nurse practitioners um, facilitate out in rural communities as like a medical center without with a supervising doctor, but doesn't you don't need a doctor on site. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, it's you all just, going virtual. I think this is another thing that's going to just completely catapult virtual medicine, right? Yeah. There's so many things that we need to do to improve te technology in all the spaces. I mean, yeah. even our social safety net is just riddled with holes yeah. well, and problems. Well, people always told me don't ever expect to see that social security that's coming out of your paycheck every oh, other month. Yeah, I don't have any intentions of seeing it. I did buy some stock. Oh, yeah? I, d I decided I was going to play around with it because I had a little bit of money to do it. Not much, like really, really little. But I have um, some stock in Zoom. Oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> you know they're going to have a lot of competition after this quarantine because everyone's getting into the game, including Facebook and yeah, but you know what? Like, you're not using the fourth most popular search engine. Like, you're not going to use the fourth most popular conference calling service if they're, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Zoom, zoom's it. Zoom, I got a zoom. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> so, the quarantine ha is going to affect so many things. It's going to affect a lot of things. I think you're going to see it a lot in uh, consumer habits. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to see yeah. it a lot in. What are um, they saying in your business? Anything yet? Right now, it's too. I think it's a little early to tell where. I think the supply chain is starting to kind of balance itself back out. Hmm. There might be less accessibility to proteins, but like I work with local farmers, so Could like be healthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we know. I'm gonna get a local egg. Right. I'm gonna get a local pork chop and a yeah, local exactly. chicken. And I'm good. Yeah. That's um, why your local farmers are a good source to know. You know. Yeah, you cannot be six degrees separated from your farmer. No. Seriously. You really can't. You want to know that neighbor for sure. Absolutely. Um, I had one of my farmers bring me a box of, or bring me a box of veggies. It was very nice. Yeah? Yeah. Today? No, this is a couple weeks ago. Um, Like in CSA type form? A CSA box. Yeah. I was like, hey. Well, I was like, hey. What is CSA again? It stands for Community Supported Agriculture. So a lot of times it might be a community that prepays for the season. So like the farm, you know, they, they might pay, everyone might pay a hundred bucks, for example. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the seed money for the farmer to plant everything. and like Oh, to get, plant your desired crops. Like to get, well, to get everything up and running. So mm-hmm. like you prepay for your membership and then you get your box as your dividend. Right. Weeks later. So it's like a co-op kind of thing. Yeah, very similar. Hmm. The idea of supporting uh, community agriculture is like, I mean, you're not going to be able to grow an, a kiwi, so no, don't expect right. bananas no. or kiwi. <laughs> Whatever's growing in season and locally in the box is always going to change. I think it's better just to be surprised and like, yeah. oh, I yeah. got kohlrabi. Yeah. I don't know what to do with kohlrabi, but now I'm going to go look that Let's up. Let's explore. Exactly. That's we? the whole idea. To me, what a CSA box is, is like, I don't want to pick and choose. I want the farmer to have like, this is what I'm growing. Yeah. This is because what's in gr- season, what, what your grows body's well in tune with right now, mm-hmm. what's happening with the land, like familiarize yourself with not just flavor. Yeah, the season. less distance the food has from harvest to your plate, the more nutrient dense it is. And yes. the better this it is. This is preventative free. medicine. Now Absolutely. that our insurance program doesn't pay for crap. Yeah. It's really good to feed your body what it needs, the nutrients. Absolutely. The local, you know, like the local honeys and other things for allergies. Local honeys for sure because they're use, they're local pollinators. So yeah. they're pulling the stuff that you would be allergic to. And I love a good egg, a fresh, yes. farm oh, fresh egg. So good, aren't they? Wow. Oh. Have you had duck or goose egg? Yeah. Or, oh, oh, so my good. God, they're so rich and they taste a little different. Yeah. And they're huge. We should do a mukbang podcast. This oh is why we God, need to get you on YouTube. This is why you need to do we it on really YouTube. Do. Yeah. So we can do yeah, mukbangs. You got to watch that for sure. Um, speaking of mukbangs, so you know, oh, you haven't been out. Do you know what guinea hens are? Mm-hmm. Have you seen the guinea hens mm-hmm. on property? So one of them we've realized went missing for a while, and we finally realized it's because she's sitting on a nest of eggs, which is very cool. We didn't quite know where, um, but last night I'm in charge of the chickens now. By the way, they're my oh. they're my chicks, and they mark, are putting mark. out those eggs. Are like oh my, they are flowing now that I'm part of the mix. They're taking care of the water, their food, their shade. Anyway, so I've trained my ear to hear things rustling outside that don't sound right because I also have an armadillo that's a very heavy rustler. But I heard something that looked like that sounded like a human by the bonfire last night, I said, wait a minute, something is going on over there that's not quite right because it's not a light cat or dog. It's like a heavy, there's something going on over there. 
So Allison, in her bedroom slippers, races over to um, behind the A-frame over there, and it turns out there was a, a rat snake that had coiled up inside the eggs underneath the guinea hen while she was sleeping, sitting on the eggs, and had munched two eggs and was in the nest, and I guess she had seen him and freaked out, and that's weird. Um, so Allison grabbed it by the tail. <laughs> I guess it had gulped two eggs. So it had two eggs in it. And they, you know, with the help of two other people, killed the guinea hen. And it was, but I'm telling you, honey, it's been drama at the farm big time. Oh, I think yes. farming is totally punk rock. It is. You, they were just talking to, a, like, some big chef they're trying to collaborate with. And he comes from uh, Shane's days of, you know, the punk rock bands and everything. He was a catalog of punk rock. And he also has a farm, and he's looking to get into cooking. And he, he said, you know, the bizarre thing is it's the punk rockers who are leading the farming movement, like the small farm movement. It's so amazing. We should talk about how we met, the pantsless meeting. Oh. We're getting too serious. You know what, Trip? I came to Habitable Spaces, and... Shane and Allison, you know, always love to tell stories and talk about people. And they always talk about, oh, you should meet Trip. He's from Texas. Also, he's from Dallas. Like, you guys should totally be friends. I'm like, okay. They, they built you up, too. But I also saw your social media. Yeah, because like, they were like, okay. I want to know. Let's be friends on Facebook. So mm -hmm, we were, like, mm -hmm. friends on Facebook and social media. You were monster back then, right? <laughs> Silly monster. Silly monster. And so then come, it's May of 2013. So now they've been at the farm for a little over a year. They're getting ready for their wedding. And you came to town. That was the first time we met. Because you were oh, coming for the wedding. For the wedding. Right. So um Trip and That's I when we all camped out of our car. Every, <laughs> the rain, mm. all these New Yorkers coming to Kingsbury. It was a what? lot. What? New York it City. Was, it was so funny. It was just like <laughs> it was so, so funny. This this, oh, so, oh my god! A huge what camping wedding? Paint us. A I picture. call it the punk rock monsoon wedding of the century mm. because it was like the the rain, and then you have all these city slickers <laughs> who just don't know how to camp. You know, they're prepared for camping. That would be. I mean. think they were all like mentally prepared for like, oh, we're gonna camp, and like, you know. But when you throw rain and oh, and not any, just any rain, oh, <laughs> like monsoon rain after like five years of drought. The yeah, exactly. Ground is so dry it doesn't exactly. absorb water. It's all clay out here. And then of course you know wherever you because I remember you had a tent. And you'd set it up. We had set up a tent, and we had this like we were like up on high ground. Except someone set up all I didn't the ant hills. <laughs> oh God! Right on the ant hills. Every tent <laughs> around was just had an ant hill surrounding. Oh my God! <laughs> um, but I was in the kitchen. And I sat on a styrofoam cooler of ice <laughs> and water. <laughs> mm -hmm. So. 
I'm in the kitchen and I'm like, I'm just sitting down to take a break. And all of a sudden, kapoosh. No. Oh, what? So I'm soaked to the bone. On top of it I being, really... but now I'm cold and soaked because oh, it's ice water. Oh, my God. So I'm walking all the way back down in my car. This is when we used to park on that other that So you side. were like wet t-shirt contest material. Yes. And that's when I went to my car to go change. <laughs> and I was taking off my clothes. <laughs> and I look across the way. And there's Trip, <laughs> And he is also. Naked in a <laughs> <laughs> stripping down and we looked at each other I was totally I, pantsless at that I point I was pantsless yes, we you were pantsless. pantsless and we were all just like trip Christina <laughs> you must be, you're Christina. the one <laughs> and then we just ran you know it's like a, a warm run to an embrace oh my god <laughs> all in slow motion of course so we, how we met our fellow bumblebees officially met trip Love it. Pantsless. At a torrential downfall <laughs> in wedding. Which took the place at the very building we are podcasting from right now. Exactly. Yeah. So Full funny. circle. That Absolutely was so hilarious. much fun. That was hilarious. such a fun. That How was, many good times have we had since then? Oh, oh so Lord, many. Oh, and the disco growing. ball. The disco ball. That's hilarious. I'll meet the you in the disco ball trip. She the disco ball. It's like every time. I think we were both, last time we saw each other on property, we were both sitting right next to each other under the disco ball, hanging from a tree without even knowing it. And we looked up, we're like, of course I would see you under the disco ball. Of course, it's where we meet. In the middle of central Texas. I I feel like 20 years from now, Trip, when (laughs) we're like going to rendezvous, we're like, I'll just meet you under the disco ball. (laughs) Let's see you under the disco (laughs) ball. Wherever it may be, (laughs) honey. (laughs) Yes. In an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in the basement of a church. <laughs> oh, wait, there it is. That's a week. <laughs> There's the disco ball now, honey. I love oh, it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, how those spaces. Fun. But how far have they come with the community and the farmer's market and I the I mean, artists? everything. I just, just love that. the most fa- uh, fabulous artists who's coming in here next month. Well, right? this town is, what, a thousand people? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I'm you know, we'll Mayor say we'll, we'll say a thousand is pretty generous. So wow. a thousand people in It's this a ranching town. community, so the properties are big. You know, ranching, the railroad. But um you know, for as much as uh, Texas tea, black gold. <laughs> <laughs> is there oil here? No, there's not a lot of oil oh. here. You you'd be able to smell it. No, I just think that it's uh like it's really nice that you have these artists who you know and you have these international artists. You have all these people from around the world that have come to this small town in Texas, mm-hmm. interact with the community. The community yeah. even embraces this like cultural thing that's happening yes. in their community. You yeah. know, and they welcome it. They welcome it, and I think a lot of it is they wouldn't see it otherwise. Yes. They're getting a very Texas and American, rural American experience out They're here. getting exposed to art. Yeah. They're realizing that the things that they do, this like heuristic motivated work that they do is also art. Yes, absolutely. Um, and they're not being afraid of expressing that creativity or calling it art. Yeah. And a lot of them bring their small town communities mm-hmm. with them or their, you know, their urban experience or whatever. I love the fall harvest when you have yes, like with the 30 hay. vendors out here and everybody's mm. got their, it's just so like a hodgepodge. This yeah. is such a postcard that we're sitting under right now, isn't it? Oh, I know. I know. So beautiful. 
Well, I wish them the best. I think you bring whatever you want to bring to the table. Cool. So, like, you know, building this podcast, you could be a podcast person and talking about these events or these things. I mean, that's really how the Yang Gang kind of grew. It's like they got on Twitter and were following each other and sharing content. And then you had all these content creators from YouTube, from different social media platforms, streaming. So, Mm -hmm. like, the gamers on Twitch. All these different avenues of communication and content. And so now you have these people who are like Yang Gang influencers <laughs> so cool. who do have content fun. and make uh and and keep up the conversation. And a lot of them are working with um congressional candidates or local candidates who Excellent. support universal basic income. Because mm-hmm. that's really what it was about. I mean, yeah. as much as we all love Andrew Yang, it was about his message. He's hilarious. He is so funny. So I love funny. that part of him. But his but message is like what was important. Small business part of him as well. The, the message that he wants or that he was bringing forward is really crucial even, now more than ever. Mm. But that was the whole thing the Yang Gang was about, was about math, make America think harder. Mm. It's about humanity and UBI. first. About UBI, universal mm. basic income. It's about these ideas and like putting critical thought and data um, into the conversation and addressing the fact that technology is going to transform our society and yeah. has been transforming society and we're seeing yeah. it now. I mean, all these jobs that are work. lost right now, do you think half of them are going to come back? Do you think these big companies have not decided to advance their automating away certain jobs because yeah. now they realize they can and they right. should and they need to? If you work a job that's going to get automated, that job is going to need some that that automation requires machine learning, right? Some sort mm, of like AI, AI technology. Yeah. So you're basically going to like teach this robot what it needs to do through your data. Mm. You should get a dividend for that. Yes, yeah. Because you're going to sure. lose your job. I mean, tit for tat, bitches. If we're going to give up our lives every waking minute of every day. Yeah. To your, you know, whoever you're selling your data to, I want a cut of it. Yeah. You know. Or control of it. Control of it. You know, it. to Absolutely. be able to turn I think it the on EU or has off. Really woken up with to this with a few of their new regulations mm-hmm. coming down. I hope we do too. Well, this is one of the things that so Andrew Yang started a 501c4 nonprofit um, called Humanity Ford. Um, the website's movehumanityford.com. And basically, it is, um, you know, in par with, like, the Justice Democrats or these other groups that formed after Bernie um, in 2016. And as a way to uh, keep our um, policies and positions alive and keep them in the forefront of conversation. Yeah. Keep the conversation <coughs> running. Keep the you conversation guys have going. all the Yang Gang has done an amazing job on even post, you know, Yang not being part of the process. Keeping his ideals and his motivations up front, part of the conversation, and really steering the conversation, which I like. Which is what it's about. I mean, 70, what is it, 70% of 18 to 34-year-olds now support universal basic income. Interesting. 55 or 60% of people, of Democrats, support universal basic income. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like we shifted the conversation about Medicare for all. In 2016, now it's a mainstream concept that's part of the Democratic platform. So so will UBI, unless the Republicans beat us to it. Yeah, and you guys pounded that message home, man. I was so impressed by 
the effectiveness of just like a grassroots social media campaign? So when it comes to volunteering, it's a lot of it is about uh, being very educated on your candidate or on what the policies are or what the positions are. So whatever you decide, if you're running, if you want to help volunteer on a candidate's campaign or anything, like be well-versed, know the policies, know some good rebuttals, have some good data to back it up. <clears throat> That's baseline. Yeah. Um, and then it's a matter of what you want to do. I think my friend Danny is really good about saying that you are enough. So whatever you can contribute in whatever capacity, in whatever quantity, like, that still counts. So give us, um, for those of us who have always been interested in politics but never been really hands-on, I mean, I'm a, mm -hmm. an armchair activist. I sign lots of petitions, do lots of donations, but I've never actually donated my time. Um, so give advice on those of us who are on the wall. We don't know how to get involved, what the process is going to be like, what kind of difference we can make, and why would we do it? You know, do you really think it makes a difference? I absolutely do think it makes a difference. <clears throat> um, there's all different types of ways you can volunteer. You can do what you're doing. You said, what, armchair Armchair activist, activist for sure. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, doing the petitions, donating to campaigns. Donating to your local level campaigns is huge because they are on shoestring, shoestring <laughs> budgets. Um, and every dollar counts. The second thing is, um, if you do want to volunteer in some capacity, then know your candidate's policies well enough to be able to do um, those kind of interactions, whether it's text banking, phone banking, canvassing, like door knocking. But now in the age of corona, we're having to be more innovative in our ways of reaching out to the community. Mm. David Kim, who is a candidate that I'm working for in Los Angeles, he hosts community mukbangs. So he does um, <laughs> mukbangs. Mukbangs. Oh, that is it's so. What he huge. does is he um, some of my favorite YouTube stars doing, and I can't. But he stop doesn't. He it. doesn't do like the gorging and eating like. But what he does is he oh. orders from. Uh, a local small restaurant business and That's has respectable has that owner or chef on live on the YouTube and they talk about the community. So it's highlighting a local small business, talking yeah. about the struggles in that community and like mm. what's going on. And then he's obviously eating the food, the orange will be. And then what Is happens? He gorging and getting it all <laughs> no. over his face. What? No. He's okay. a political candidate That's for not Congress. A That's a civilized meal. You're learning a lot about our process too. From learning a lot up. about the political process and how, like, to be honest, how much it doesn't serve people in democracy. Mm. Like, we put a lot of barriers up to get people to vote, to people to participate. It's just all this red tape and bureaucracy just to make voting happen. So, really, people who vote are the privileged. Mm. Um, and, or the ones who sacrifice something to do it, like whether it's hours at work or it's, you know, mm -hmm. I would um, uh, want to spend more time volunteering and mm. doing the kind of work that I feel is improving our communities and building communities. Mm -hmm. And a lot, oftentimes that work does not get <laughs> make money. Translate. So no. yeah. um, if I can have mm. all my basics ne needs met or if I can make a living as a, at doing time banking, Mm -hmm. I would totally do that. For example, you go and do something for the community. Someone's like, I need five hours, somebody to help me to like mulch this schoolyard for garden in the spring. Okay. In exchange for that time, they give me like a voucher for a free meal at a local restaurant. So my, my five hours of time was exchanged for a, a 
meal voucher. So okay. I go to this restaurant because this is a participating restaurant, and they're like, "You, you, this is your reward for doing great community service and helping this." So we're going to feed you and give you. So if I use that voucher at this re- participating restaurant, then that restaurant can then submit this voucher in for a tax rebate. Ooh. So like when they do their taxes, you know, when they get all these vouchers, it it basically so it's a tax write off or rebate. It would be or? like a tax write off, but the re- okay. but what it promotes is the community involvement. I think a lot of people post quarantine. I mean, our unemployment rate is mm-hmm. alarmingly high right now are going to be looking for alternative methods to mm-hmm. do, you know, to do things and to feed themselves and to clothe themselves. And, you know, outside of this money system that is excluding so many right now. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So I think... And we're very- finding ourselves to be more resourceful. I think people um, want to be more self-sufficient coming yeah. out of this. They, right. they realize they're so dependent on a broken system. Yeah, we've taken a lot for granted mm-hmm. without even questioning, where does mm-hmm. that come from? How do you make that? You know, where do I get this? Until they're off the shelves. Supply lines are cut or they can't afford, you know... Because of being jobless, so, yeah. There's a Mercedes here. Oh, I know them. <laughs> Thank you so much, gosh. This has been so enlightening, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where you go. Oh, um, thank you. So glad you're one of the first people I met here. It's been fabulous oh, growing with you. I don't think I could, like, trip without trip. Yeah, trip and wood trip. Here we go, Thelma. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. Well, what piece of advice uh, would you give to, you know, the young people, especially out there, a lot of whom you met on in the Yang Gang, who want to get involved with agriculture, politics, what we're doing out here, you know, alternative methods of living? I think the thing that it starts with is our own humanity. It's reevaluating, you know, things that are important to you and like what really matters in community and society and the greater you being in touch with your, our own humanity. Like if you're coaching a young person and they're like, okay, what kind of advice do you have for me, guardian angel mentor? Like how are you going to either guide me to the right place or protect me from things that I don't know I'm going to have to experience yet? Like what, what's your advice? Because you seem to interact with a lot of people like that who might look up to you. You know, it's that Socratic school of thought. True knowledge lies in knowing that you know nothing. <laughs> So the more you know, the more you don't know. Exactly. So it's it's an ego check thing. It's always keep your ego in check. It's a challenge in you these know? times, isn't it? Do do as much good mm-hmm. as you want done for your. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like just keep get, doing the next give. right thing. Yeah. The universe will give back. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Great. Follow your instincts and your intuition. Well, can we gut. follow you anywhere? You can find me on Twitter at C Lee Monster. And same with Instagram. Well, best of luck. Thank you. And thank you for joining us at the Kingsbury Farmer's Market on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Thank you. Rock and roll. Yes. All right, baby. Let's start tripping. Tripping. Woo. Woo. Watch out, Susan. Here we come. Look at all the sun I'm getting. One arm is going to be totally burned. (laughs) Cool. That was fun. Tripping down here without reservations Without knowing his destination But now he's here but not quite clear Just what he will do Some friends from habitable spaces Said come on over to one of our places So we jumped right into Life 
on the farm Your place in the sky